We don't have to wonder anymore how we would react, how we would act, what we would do for our country if our country was ever in this kind of peril. You now know what you would do for your country if your country was ever in this much danger. It's whatever it is you're doing right now. What you're doing now, what you're planning to do for the next six weeks, that's what you're made of. That's what you'll be able to say you did when your country needed you. Got it. Got it. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Deprogrammed Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you, Mr. Miss America and all the ships at sea for joining us today for another thrilling edition, far too thrilling edition, of the world-famous Bradcast. Um, yes, we are here, and we will be here with you for, uh, well, at least the next few weeks, right? <laughs> Hope so. At least, what do we got, about six weeks now until Election Day? Yes, and then a little bit longer until Inauguration Day. A little bit longer, yeah. It's going to be a bumpy bunch of weeks ahead of us. Uh, And hi, Desi Doyen. Hi. Uh, Let's start here because there has been a lot of grim news out there in recent days. A lot of folks who believe uh, in democracy, I sense, are, are becoming frightened and or dispirited. Don't be. That's exactly what they want you to be. In any event... Here's a little something that may cheer you up today, encourage you to keep going at least a little bit. Eric Trump must testify in response to a subpoena from the New York Attorney General before the presidential election. That as part of an investigation into whether Donald Trump's company improperly valued real estate assets in official statements. That is according to a state judge who ordered Trump to testify on Wednesday. Eric Trump, the president's son and top executive in the Trump organization, must testify no later than October 7. 
Judge Arthur Engeron ruled after a hearing in Manhattan Supreme Court on Wednesday where Trump's lawyers had asked to delay his deposition until after the election. Engeron noted that, uh, quote, Mr. Trump cites no authority in support of this request, and at any event, neither petitioner nor this court is bound by timelines of the national election. New York Attorney General Letitia James's office called the ruling a major victory. She said in a statement, the court's order today makes clear that no one is above the law, not even an organization or an individual with the name Trump. The AG is investigating whether the New York-based Trump organization improperly inflated the values of several real estate assets on annual financial statements that were used to obtain loans as well as to get economic and tax benefits related to those properties. Last month, James uh, had filed an action with the court seeking Eric Trump's compliance with the subpoena after she said that he had reneged on an agreement to testify this summer. How Trump-like of him. Indeed. A Trump making a promise to do something and then reneging on it? No. Uh, in fact, Eric Trump had agreed to testify in July, but then he canceled just days prior. Oops, sorry, can't make it. James also sought to force compliance with subpoenas seeking documentation and testimony related to several Trump properties. Specifically, her office noted on Wednesday that the judge's order will give her access to those documents that have been, quote, withheld by the Trump organization. Lawyers for Eric Trump uh, later said that he was willing to be deposed as part of James's probe of the Trump organization, but only after the November 3rd election. The judge told him to take a flying leap. Judge Engeron noted, Mr. Trump now waives any objection to his deposition, but seeks to delay his deposition until after Election Day. This court finds that application unpersuasive. Accordingly, this court hereby orders Eric Trump to appear for his depot no later than October 7, 2020, just to be clear. Attorney General James, uh, in her statement after the ruling, said justice and the rule of law prevailed today. We will immediately move to ensure that Donald Trump and the Trump Organization comply with the court's order and submit financial records related to our investigation. Further, Eric Trump will no longer be able to delay his interview and will be sitting down with investigators in my office no later than October 7. To be clear, no entity or individual is allowed to dictate how or when our investigations will proceed or set the parameters of a lawful investigation. James launched the investigation into the Trump Organization last year after Trump's former lawyer and fixer at the time, Michael Cohen, during testimony to Congress, said that the president's annual financial statements inflated the values of Trump's assets to obtain favorable terms for loans and insurance coverage. So just to give you an idea of what this is, what this means, what Michael Cohen was talking about and what uh, the New York attorney general is looking at here. Uh, one of the properties that she is said to be eyeing, according to CNBC, is Seven Springs Estate. This is a 212-acre property in Westchester County, New York. Court filings note that the valuation of Seven Springs were used to claim an apparent tax deduction of more than $21 million. 
This based on the donation of a conservation easement on the property. So I guess they gave uh, part of the part of the property over for some conservation measure or another, and that right. earned them this this tax deduction, $21 million. However, the Financial Times last year noted that Trump purchased Seven Springs itself, the entire 212-acre property, for just $7.5 million. Quite a profit there on that tax deduction. Ain't it, though? That was back in 1996. Uh, but they went on to value the property in 2012 at more than $290 million. <laughs> This is the property they brought for seven and a half million. Now it's worth two hundred ninety million. Forbes, uh, Forbes magazine in 2014 said the entire property in 2014 was worth less than nineteen and a half million, citing recent property sales and local realtors and assessors. And yet Trump got a twenty one million dollar tax deduction for donating some of the land on a property that itself in full was said to be less the, the entire property was said to be less than uh, worth less than uh, well worth about 19 million dollars while he claimed that it was worth nearly one third of a billion dollars on his taxes yes that is a scheme a scam uh, and a scheme and it is <laughs> unlawful James's office also says they're looking at uh, uh, Trump building uh, 40 Wall Street in Manhattan. They're looking at the Trump International Hotel and Tower in Chicago and the Trump National Golf Club in Los Angeles. Properties where he uh, undoubtedly played similar games to steal money in the bargain. Now, this is a civil investigation, so no matter what happens here, nobody is likely going to jail, though they could get hit with a huge fine, a huge bill for all of this chicanery. And I suppose if Eric Trump lies to the investigators, well, then he could be facing jail time. But at the same time, this civil investigation by James is separate, just to help you keep track of all of these. There's so much criminality here. So this civil investigation by James, the attorney general of New York, that's separate from a criminal investigation being conducted by Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr., he is looking into some of the very same things. And in that case, yes, there could be some Trumps going to jail in the not too distant future. And because all of these are in state court, the president cannot protect himself or his family with a presidential pardon. His best bet, I think, at this point, maybe to leave the country entirely, live out his life in some s-hole country uh or, that you, you know, know protects Russia criminals or someplace that he might you know find some affinity for the people there there you go uh so yeah he and and the whole family take them all with you trump continues his uh, last ditch effort to uh, block that grand jury subpoena in vance's criminal case in new york which seeks eight years of his income tax returns and other financial records from the president's accountants in which you know there are multitudes of crimes that he is trying to hide. Just that Seven Springs example alone. 
So uh, Vance's office uh, earlier this week uh, said in one of their uh, filings in that federal case that the subpoena he's seeking for those financial records is more than justified by reports that have raised the prospect that Trump and his company misstated the value of their business properties at different times. If that is the case, the filings made clear there's a number of crimes, including uh, criminal tax fraud and others that were uh, perhaps committed. And yes, for those, Donald Trump and his family could, in fact, be sent to prison. Feel better? Do you feel better? A little bit. It'll take a long time to get around to that. All right, I'm working on it. Give me some chance. Give me some space here, Des. Uh, so let's uh, let's go ahead and now play this, which actually happened at the White House press briefing. I'm sure you heard it. This was uh, it happened as we were on air uh, yesterday, I believe, in response to a question from Playboy reporter Pri- Brian Karam, who's been a guest on this show, by the way. Anyway, here's what happened. Will you commit to making sure that there is a peaceful trans? of power after the election. Well, we're going to have to see what happens. You know that I've been complaining very strongly about the ballots, and the ballots are a disaster. I and, understand that, but and, people are rioting. Do you commit uh, to making know, sure that there's a no, peaceful wanna, transfer of power? We want to have get rid of the ballots, and you'll have a very trans. We'll have a very peaceful. There won't be a transfer, frankly. There'll be a continuation. Uh, the ballots are out of control. You know it. And you know who knows it better than anybody else? The Democrats know it better than anybody else. Go ahead. (sighs) Okay, so uh, I'm not sure where to start with that, but let me start with just the facts of what he's talking about or what he thinks he's talking about, or at least what he pretends to be talking about. His complaint here, or at least what he says is his complaint, I know he said with the ballots, but I I believe what he's talking about is, uh, because this is what he's talked about before, the states that are sending out absentee ballots to all voters this year due to the pandemic uh, that has so far killed more than 200,000 of his own constituents, Americans, because he failed so grievously to do anything to control the virus. So he starts as a failure here in all of this and uh, much of the cause for all of this. But he shorthanded it there with the ballots. If you get rid of the ballots. Now, I don't believe he actually is talking about throwing out all of the ballots, though I know there's been a lot of talk in recent days about what he can do to try to keep ballots from being counted in various states. And yes, he might do that. But here I think he was talking about the ballots. He's talking about his complaint that ballots are being sent out to people who have not requested absentee ballots because they live in states where all active registered voters are being sent ballots via the mail this year. Now, there were let's break this down. There was already five states that send out absentee ballots to all active registered voters in the states in those states, five of them. And they have been doing so for some years now. Those states are Oregon, Washington, Colorado, uh, Utah, and Hawaii. Those five states have been sending ballots, have been doing all-mail elections now for years. All of them, except for Utah, have voted for the Democrat in the presidential election for decades now. The most recent one to go for a Republican was Colorado back in 2004, But Hillary Clinton easily defeated Donald Trump there in 2016 by about five points. 
Utah, of course, is one of the most Republican states in the union. It has not voted for a Democrat since Lyndon Johnson in 1964. So it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. So uh, Trump beat Clinton in Utah in 2016 by almost 20 points. It is unlikely that Trump is going to lose Utah this year, if that's what he's worried about. So anyway, all of those states, they have done universal vote by mail for years. Uh, They are going to likely vote for or against him in the same way that they did in 2016. So he can't be complaining about those states, right? Uh, Presumably, he's not complaining about those states. Then there are five other states that are newly sending vote-by-mail ballots to all active registered voters this year because Donald Trump failed to control the pandemic. Those states are the very reliably Democratic states of California, Vermont, and New Jersey, none of which has voted for a Republican for president in decades. And just two with a record of voting a Republican any time in recent history. Those are the other two states. That would be Montana, which went to Trump by about 20 points in 20 points in 2016, though it elected a Democratic governor that year, that same year on that same statewide ballot. That's Steve Bullock. He is now running for the U.S. Senate on this year's ballot and Nevada. The only bona fide swing state of all of the 10 that I mentioned that are sending out ballots this year, Nevada. That is sort of a swing state that might have any real possibility of flipping from the way it voted back in 2016 when Clinton won the state that year by about two and a half points. But in general, the state has not voted Republican since 2004. It does, however, have a Republican secretary of state, even though Trump keeps lying that the state's Democratic governor is in charge of all the ballots. He is not. It is Republican secretary of state Barbara Savasky. I can't say her name. And and Team Trump's uh, attempts to prevent the Republican secretary of state of Nevada from sending absentee ballots to all voters this year is not going well so far. On Monday this week, U.S. District Judge James Mahan Mahan, threw out the Trump campaign's lawsuit over Nevada's vote-by-mail measure that directs all local election officials to send mail-in ballots to all of the registered voters in the state. Mahan ruled that the Trump campaign, along with the RNC and the Nevada GOP, quote, make no showing of an unfair advantage against GOP candidates caused by the measure known as Assembly Bill 4, AB4. So this was actually passed through the Assembly. This was not some dictate from the Secretary of State or a dictate from the governor. This was passed in a lawful, democratic way by the state legislature and signed by the governor. And now it is being carried out by the Republican Secretary of State. And yet the Trump administration and the RNC and the state GOP, they all tried to sue. The judge threw it out. The judge described the plaintiff's claims that uh, voting by mail hurts Republicans and that mail-in ballots illegally distort the vote count somehow as, quote, generalized and speculative. 
He said plaintiffs never describe how their member voters will be harmed by vote dilution where other voters would not. Republican candidates, quote, face no harms that are unique from their electoral opponents. In other words, even if somehow this does lead to fraud in some way, the judge here is saying, well, it's not going to affect uh, Republicans any more than it would affect Democrats. Oh, logic. That there's no evidence, you know, that somehow the Democrats are going to be more fraudulent with these ballots somehow than Republicans. Now, the suit was filed by Team Trump. Uh, against the Nevada Secretary of State, who oversees the mail-in voting process and, yes, is also a Republican. In his uh, repeated attacks, nonetheless, on uh, against AB4, Donald Trump has falsely claimed that the uh, Nevada governor, Steve Sisolak, who signed the measure, that he is in charge of the ballots. He is not. The Republican Secretary of State is. Sisolak uh, praised the judge's ruling on Twitter this week. He said, I'm pleased to see a federal court judge has dismissed a lawsuit seeking to block AB4, a measure passed to expand options for Nevadans and provide for safe, fair and accessible elections during the pandemic. Well, there's the problem right there. Safe, fair and accessible. We can't have that. No. The Nevada State Democratic Party chair said the dismissal of this case was a, quote, win for democracy. Donald Trump and Republicans have been hell-bent on limiting voting options for one clear reason. He said Republicans will lose if more Nevadans vote in this election. The Trump campaign did not immediately respond to requests for comment. But I think that Trump's threat there at the White House that there might not be a peaceful transition of power. I think that was his response, frankly, to this lawsuit (laughs) and many of the others that he has been losing in court around the country. All right. So there's 10 states that are sending out absentee ballots to everyone. Uh, Five of them have been doing it for years. Uh, Those are not going to change. Of the five that are newly doing it because Donald Trump failed in the pandemic, three of them are reliably Democratic. They're not going to change. And then the two others are Montana and Nevada, which also is largely going has been going for Democrats for years now. But let's say that could flip this year. So Montana, if it flipped, which seems very unlikely, again, Trump won there by 20 points just four years ago. But you never know. If Montana did flip because of all those cheating Democrats in <laughs> in Montana that are sending out ballots willy nilly, well, that would cost Donald Trump three, count them, three electoral votes. Nevada, on the other hand, has six electoral votes. Now, Nevada already went to Clinton last time. So for all of the complaints about universal mail-in voting, what a scam, what a hoax by Democrats to defraud the election. Well, both Nevada and Montana have Republican secretaries of state, by the way. And Nevada already went to Clinton last time when Trump won the Electoral College in 2016. Do you remember what he won it by, Des? I do not. I figured you wouldn't. 304 to 227. That's what it was in 2016. If Trump won every state that he won last time, but somehow, magically, Montana flips, he would still beat Joe Biden 301 to 230. 
So this is what he is whining and complaining about? Well, what about Utah? They send uh, ballots to everyone as well. They've been doing it now for some time. But what if this year somehow Democrats in Utah figured out how to flip the results to the Democrat in Utah? Unthinkably. Well, I mean, it's really the only other reliably red state that actually sends out absentee ballots to all voters, the ones that Donald Trump seems to be complaining about. So if that also flipped... Well, their six electoral college votes would go to Joe Biden. Donald Trump would still win the electoral college, 295 to 236. It would not be close. That's it. That's all of the states that are sending out ballots willy-nilly. What a hoax. What a scam. What a scheme to all active registered voters. That is it. That is what he's pretending to complain about. So when you hear, you know, your Fox News loving uncle or father or whoever complaining about all of these so-called Democrats, they're sending out ballots to everyone and it's no one, people who haven't even requested them. This is what we're talking about. Eight states that have gone to Democrats already for years and two states, Utah and Montana, that are very unlikely to flip to the Democrats. But even if they did, Donald Trump would still win the election if he managed to win all of the other states that he won last time. Where they are not sending out ballots willy-nilly to people who don't request them. Where they are only sending absentee ballots to those who do request them. People like Donald Trump, who has requested an absentee ballot in Florida where he has no legal residence to vote and is himself voting once again unlawfully this year. If if he held all of those states and lost the only two that he could lose via universal mail-in ba- uh, voting, Montana and Utah, he would still win the election. So what he's actually complaining about, he's complaining because he knows that he is set to lose this election. And he would very much like you to not notice that. He is set to lose it if there is a a level, even fair playing field. And I realize that's a big if. But he wants you to be afraid of what may happen if he loses. He wants to terrify you. Yes, he is a terrorist. That's the only way that he thinks he can win, by frightening you into bullying his way somehow back into office. Now, in fact, being afraid, I think, may actually help motivate some folks to get out there and vote. And in truth, that is my hope. There has been a a lot of stories, as I said, over the past few days of how Trump hopes to undermine our election, our election, not his election, but our election with all kinds of unsavory, questionable constitutional measures, undermine the Electoral College, a corrupted and stolen U.S. Supreme Court to help him, and corrupted lower courts that he and the Republicans have been packing and putting in place around the country. You know, and then not to mention, of course, good old fashioned voter suppression, which the Republicans attempt each and every election, often quite successfully. And yes, the voting machines that we talk about quite a bit on this show that you don't hear much about elsewhere. And don't forget about dirty tricks. All of that. 
all of that he's going to have to rely on in order to win this election. And he's got a lot of ways to do it. But Masha Gessen, the uh, Russian-born journalist, a refugee from the former Soviet Union, she's a longtime critic of Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump and of fascism in general, she warns that when a fascist tells you who they are, what they are going to do, you should listen to them. You should believe them. I have no doubt that if Donald Trump felt that he had an army behind him, whether it's the official U.S. Army or just an army of his flunkies and thugs and goons around the country who are willing to go to war for him to prevent a peaceful transition, to, yes, steal the White House for him, that sure, he'd be happy to use it. He will be happy to use it if he thinks he can get away with it. But if you're frightened by that, well... You're playing into his hands. He is a coward. He is a punk. He wants you to be frightened. Otherwise, he would not have to resort to any of these tactics. He'll be the first one while he's uh, while everyone else, his 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 pretend army is out there trying to fight for him. He'll be the first one down in the White House bunker if the shooting starts. He won't be out there leading the troops. He'll send others to die for him. Not for the country, but for him. Now, will it come down to that? I don't know. It could. When a fascist tells you who they are, you should believe them. So it could come to that. I don't think so, but I don't know. But that, even, even this idea, should make you want to work harder and bolder and with more courage between now and November 3rd, and yes, beyond November 3rd, if that is what is required. Here was Nancy Pelosi's response to uh, Donald Trump's lack of promise of a peaceful transition uh, on Wednesday. Here was Nancy Pelosi today. You are not in North Korea. You are not in Turkey. You are not in Russia, Mr. President. And by the way, you are not in Saudi Arabia. You are in the United States of America. It is a democracy. So why don't you just try for a moment to honor your oath of office to the Constitution of the United States? The answer to it all, the antidote to almost every ailment that I have named is the vote. What really matters in terms of the peaceful transfer of power is that people vote and that their vote is counted as cast. That's it. That's it. That's what we have. Now, I don't agree with everything Pelosi says or does, but on this, she is 100% right. The answer is the vote. Bernie Sanders, who also, I suspect, does not always agree with everything that Pelosi says or does, he offered similar advice today. In this unprecedented moment, what can we as a people do in the struggle to preserve American democracy? First, it is absolutely imperative that we have, by far, the largest voter turnout in American history and that people vote as early as possible. As someone who is strongly supporting Joe Biden, let's be clear. A landslide victory for Biden will make it virtually impossible for Trump to deny the results and is our best means for defending democracy. 
So it'll make it virtually impossible. A landslide turnout, a landslide vote. Not impossible, but virtually impossible. Okay. Yeah. That's it. That is what we must do. That, despite all of the obstacles that are being thrown in our way, that will continue to be thrown in our way, that is it. That is what we must do. The best way to defend our democracy is to vote, and not only that, but to make sure that everyone you know does the same. And to make sure that everyone that you don't know does the same. Have you checked to make sure that you are still registered in your state where you think you are and that you have not been purged from the polls, uh, from the rolls? Have you checked that lately? You can go online in most states to find that out. Have you checked lately to make sure that your registration is at your current address, that someone has not changed it or that you have not forgotten to change it since you last moved? If not, now is the time. Now, now is the time. And after that, who else have you called or written to or encouraged to register or to check their registration lately? Have you encouraged your family to do that? Your friends, your co-workers, the random barista at your local Starbucks? We have long said, long, long before Donald Trump made clear with his own words how much democracy is now at threat. We have long said that this democracy ain't going to save itself. Well, I was not kidding that time when I said that years ago, over and over again in the years since. I wasn't kidding then and I'm not kidding now. This democracy is not going to save itself. You are. This is up to you. 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 Not that other person that you think I am now speaking to. I am speaking to you. Do you hear me? What are you doing today to help save our democracy? This is no longer a drill. This is now all hands on deck. All hands. This is it. You are the answer to Donald Trump. You are the answer to Trumpism. You are the savior of this nation. But only if you take action. I'm here to help. I'm going to do the best I can. But I can only do so much. I will do my part as best as possible. But I need you to do yours. And after you have, I will need you then to do even more. We may not have another crack at this. We've got six weeks until Election Day. Do not be afraid. Do not be cowed. Do not be intimidated by this coward, this thief, this thug, this little punk in the White House who scammed his way into it and hopes to grift his way into another four years or more. Now is the time to end it, but it is all hands on deck. I have been thinking uh, over the past uh, several weeks about Obama's old uh, tagline lately. Yes, we can. I have absolutely no doubt that, yes, we absolutely can. And we can do so bigly. We can see this punk unseated in states that you never thought you would see. In Ohio, in Iowa, in Georgia. In Arizona, in Texas, yes, Desi, in your old home state of Texas. So, yes, we can. But will we? 
That's the only unanswered question at this point. Yes, we can, but will we? That is what has been going through my head. Let's do everything we can to answer that question in the affirmative, shall we? To that end, I, as I said, I will continue my part, fighting to make sure that voters are able to vote and to have their votes counted as cast in a way that we can know that they have been counted as cast. And that battle continues in the courts today. And at least in most cases, the voters are winning, at least for now. Let's take a quick break. And that fight will continue right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Okay, let's see if I can get it right this time. Okay. The stars at night are big and bright. Keep in the heart. Good job. I did it. I did it. One more time. The prairie sky is wide and high. Keep in the heart. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Of course, Desi Doyen, being from Texas, you are constitutionally mandated oh, to yes. do those claps By whenever law. you hear that song. Must By do law. it. That's it's, right. It's and a I know Pavlovian you, response. You have to follow it or they'll come and get you. They're very <laughs> serious about the rule of law in Texas. Make no mistake. Uh, so in addition to the possibility that he is likely to be sent to jail after he leaves office, whenever that may be, the other reason that Donald Trump is pretending to be upset about mail-in ballots is because he is desperate to put forward and excuse for losing all of these states who are not sending out mail-in ballots to all voters. States that he won in 2016, but is now staring down the barrel of losing them this year. And so he's also desperate to get another apparatchik on the U.S. Supreme Court right now. Because even though Republicans, don't forget, Republicans now with the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, they already have a five to three seat advantage on the high court. And yet they're desperate to get someone on there. Why? Well, because Donald Trump knows that Chief Justice John Roberts has a very occasional tendency of not going along with the other dishonest right wing judicial activists on the court and that he might do the right thing and vote along with the Democratic appointees on uh, any number of things that could become uh, come before the court in the next few weeks, which means then there would be a four to four tie, which means in certain cases, Donald Trump might not win at his cooked Supreme Court. That is what that is all about. And he's already having a hard time in the courts right now, and he knows that an even more stolen Supreme Court may also be his only chance to survive at this point. And yes, he's uh, he's in big trouble, even in states, as I said, which severely restrict absentee voting, even during the pandemic and which we have, uh, well, which have long been seen as Republican states, states like, yes, Desi's own home state of Texas. Yep. 
Here's some swell news out of the state of Texas from the Houston Chronicle this week. Texas has shattered vote registration records, adding one and a half million voters since the last presidential election. Texas now has surpassed 16.6 million voters, according to the latest numbers announced Tuesday by the Texas Secretary of State, Ruth Hughes. And there are still two more weeks to add more to those numbers. Hughes said... Ahead of the November election, I encourage all eligible Texans who have not already done so to register to vote by October 5th. That's your deadline in Texas, October 5th, so that they can help shape the future of the Lone Star State. In the four previous presidential election cycles, Texas added about 700,000 new voters on average every four years or so. Well, that is less than half as many as have been added this cycle. Now, of course, are all of those going to be Democrats? We don't know. But Texas is now officially, I'm calling it, it's a battleground state. Okay. I'm calling it. <laughs> this, of course, thanks in no small part to Donald Trump, but also to demographics. CBS News battleground tracker this week shows uh, that Donald Trump has just a two-point lead over Joe Biden in the state of Texas. Trump leads Biden 48 to 46 in Texas, where Trump won by nine points back in 2016. And even that showed how things are already changing in the state. Romney, Mitt Romney, beat uh, Barack Obama back in 2012 by 16 points. So, yeah, Texas is definitely going blue. Whether it gets all the way there or not, well, that's the only question, whether Dems can finally pull it off this year. And, yes, the, apparently the National Democrats are taking uh, Texas now very seriously, at least according to Vox. They note that the uh, Biden campaign is now running TV ads and, yes, hiring staff on the ground in Texas over the past six weeks. A Democratic super PAC focused on Texas launched a month ago with an aim to augment Biden's paid media presence, they note. The state last backed a Democrat for president. Um, you want to take a guess? I would say in the 90s. Nope. 1976. Oh, you mean um, I'm thinking statewide governor when uh, ah, when yeah. Ann Richards was voted in last Democrat. No, so. last Democrat for president was 1976. Wow. Jimmy Carter and Republicans have uh, held state legislative chambers and the governorship since 2003. But the demographics there are quickly changing. Texas is becoming increasingly urban. Hispanics are on track to become its largest population group by uh, mid-2021. Two trends that generally favor Democrats, according to Vox. Also, according to The Hill this week, the Texas Democratic Party on Monday announced the launch of a half a million dollar digital ad buy aimed at driving Texans to the polls in November. The messaging, which will appear on social media platforms, is part of the party's Get Out the Vote campaign, an initiative that has run most of the year with the goal of getting two million previously unregistered Texans signed up to vote. Well, they're already at uh, one and a half million, so they're on their way. It's the first phase of a seven-figure ad buy that the Texas Democratic Party announced at the end of July. TDP's 
uh, uh, Brittany Switzer said in a statement, with the voter registration deadline two weeks from today, our ads are targeting high potential voters who will likely vote blue if we talk to them about the importance of voting. Our path to victory, she says, is clear and we're implementing what we need to fulfill it. The margins for this election are going to be incredibly small, she says. So how worried uh, are Texas Republicans about what could happen this November? Well, so worried, in fact, that they are now suing. This is Texas Republicans are suing the state's Republican governor over what are already some of the most restrictive election rules in the nation. And they are suing, of course, not to make them less restrictive, but to make them even more restrictive. Republican Governor Greg Abbott, according to the Texas Tribune today, is facing a lawsuit over his extension of early voting for the November election from prominent members of his own party, including state party chair Alan West. Yes, I think it's that Alan West. Agriculture Commissioner Sid Miller and members of the Texas legislature. In July, Abbott added six days, just six days to the early voting period. Oh, it's tyranny. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he moved the start date up to October 13 from October 19 because of the coronavirus pandemic. In the lawsuit that was filed Wednesday with the state Supreme Court, Abbott's intraparty critics, they say, claim the move defies state election law. Jared Woodfell, a lawyer for the plaintiff, said in a statement, Governor Abbott seems to have forgotten that the Texas Constitution is not a document that he consults at his convenience. The plaintiffs argue that Abbott needs to consult the legislature before making any such decisions, even though the Texas legislature is not in session right now. He would have to call a special session. And by the way, they haven't been in session since May of 2019. Yeah, it's a really dumb system. Surprise! The Texas legislature only meets every other year. And none of the legislators are paid more than a stipend. So that means that they um, also are open to grift and graft. Oh, yeah. And there are only, by the way, every other year. So for only six months. So yeah. it's like for six months every two years. Yeah. It's uh, insane. One of the uh, plaintiffs in this case is a guy. He's a Houston uh, right-wing activist who has filed a bunch of lawsuits against uh, Abbott's coronavirus response. He's seen minimal success so far, according to the Trib. But in the latest lawsuit, he's joined not only by West and Miller, but also three state senators and four state representatives, as well as the chair of the Harris County Party, that's Houston, uh, and the Republican National Committeeman from Texas. However, after the lawsuit became public, one of the senators listed on the suit, Donna Campbell, said no, she had not agreed to this challenge. <laughs> In a letter to the plaintiff's lawyers, the uh, Republican said she disagreed with, quote, the basic construct of the matter and asked him to uh, remove her from the lawsuit. So it's going well already. In announcing the early voting extension back in July, Abbott said that he was giving voters more time to cast ballots in a way that will not contribute to the spread of the virus or at least less so. Using the same rationale, he previously extended early voting for the July primary runoffs. So isn't it funny 
how none of these complaints that we have been uh, that we're seeing from Republicans regarding the November elections that we've been reporting now for weeks as they're working their way through the courts. None of these complaints were made back during the primaries when many of the same election procedures were used. Abbott, you know, extended the early voting uh, uh, period for the July primary runoffs. Not a peep from these Republicans. And that's true in states all over the country where Trump and the GOP have been suing to block access to the polls this November. Pennsylvania, for example. Yes, they used absentee ballot drop boxes during the primaries, uh, primary elections earlier this year. But now... The GOP is fighting tooth and nail in both state and federal court to prevent those drop boxes from being used because it will corrupt democracy. Weird, huh? Weird that these things are only now unconstitutional, but it was fine back when it was, you know, only Republicans voting in their own primaries. Democrats have unsuccessfully fought in the Texas courts to expand mail-in voting this November because of the pandemic. The state is one of the most restrictive in the nation for absentee voting. It allows only voters uh, 65 and older who have a, or who have a doctor's excuse to prove that they are already ill or if they can prove that they're out of town on Election Day, only then are they allowed to uh, to vote by mail. So if you're 64 and you have asthma or heart condition or, you know, or are otherwise especially endangered by COVID-19, well, too bad. Get in line, slacker. And by the way, uh, masks are not required for either voters or poll workers, as Governor Abbott in his state mask mandate included exceptions for churches and polling places. That's the out of control monarch that Republicans are suing uh, to make voting even more difficult and more dangerous in Texas this year. The uh, state Democrats said that in a statement that we should be expanding early voting and vote by mail options, not cutting them. In addition to making early voting uh, period, the early voting period longer for the November elections, Abbott gave voters more time to turn in their mail in ballots in person if they choose to do so. Usually voters are permitted to submit their ballot in person to the early voting clerk's office in person instead of mailing them. But they can only do it on Election Day. Which is odd. Abbott expanded that option uh, so that they can turn in their uh, ballot in person uh, during the entire early voting period. Uh, the lawsuit filed on Wednesday additionally seeks to stop the extended period for submitting ballots in person and calls uh, the move inconsistent, calls that move inconsistent with the election code. So we can't have that either if these guys get their way because they are really frightened. They are really frightened that Texas may, in fact, go blue this year. Make it so, Texas. <laughs> whatever obstacles they uh, put in your way, whatever risks you have to jump over, do it. If Trump loses Texas, he's going to have one hell of a hard time claiming that it was because of Democrats sending out mail-in ballots to everyone even his completely cooked Supreme Court justices are unlikely to go along with that BS. Of course, I shouldn't misunderestimate them. Quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyen in the Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman.
The Bratcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Uh, feel any less freaked out than you did? Any more <laughs> less depressed? Any yeah. more dispirited than you were when we started? Yeah. Good. Then my work here is done. <laughs> Plus, you've got some really, really good news in today's Green News Report. We have to deliver more than platitudes. We have to deliver more uh, than proposals and promises. California promises to end sales of new gas-powered vehicles by 2035. U.S. is seeing an alarming increase in combined heat waves and droughts, plus... COVID-19 reminds us that humankind should launch a green revolution and preserve the environment and make Mother Earth a better place for all. China pledges major emissions cuts. All of those pledges and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Humankind can no longer afford to ignore the repeated warnings of nature. Oh, really? Just watch us, China. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen. You promised me we have big news in today's Green News Report. Oh my, yes we do. As we go to air, the 11th Annual Climate Week is underway in New York City when business, government, activists, and community leaders meet to discuss solutions to the climate crisis. That's the big news? Mm, We're getting there. It's primarily virtual this year due to the global pandemic. Many corporations and governments have announced commitments to cut their contribution to greenhouse gas emissions that cause dangerous global warming. Walmart, financial giant Morgan Stanley, Ford, and Facebook are among the corporations that announced new commitments to reach net zero emissions in their operations in coming decades. Coming decades? That doesn't seem very big. Well, it doesn't happen all at once. It I takes see. time. Okay. Britain's Prince Charles, however, urged the companies to do more. Billions of people around the world are waiting and longing for concerted action to right the balance of this planet that we have so rashly disrupted. Millions of younger employees of countless companies and corporations are desperate for action, not more words. Well, that's slightly bigger. Well, in the biggest announcement, on Tuesday, Chinese President Xi Jinping increased his country's pledge to cut their emissions under the landmark United Nations Paris Climate Accord. China announced that it will scale up its national climate target to reach peak emissions before 2030, that's a change, and carbon neutrality before 2060. That is a big deal. Okay, that's a big deal. President Xi echoed leaders of the European Union in pushing for a green revolution to accelerate the transition away from fossil fuels. Now, climate policy experts noted that details on China's plan are thin so far, but they did call it the most significant positive climate development globally since the signing of the Paris Agreement. Then why do Republicans and Donald Trump keep telling us that China will never do anything about climate change? Because they are lying. Oh. 
Donald Trump's withdrawal of the U.S. from the accord, the only nation in the world to do so, will come into effect the day after the presidential election on November 3rd. Speaking of the presidential election, according to the Nonpartisan Commission on Presidential Debates, the six topics selected by moderator Chris Wallace of Fox News for the very first debate between Donald Trump and Democratic nominee Joe Biden on Tuesday will not include climate change. (laughs) A new analysis by Media Matters has found that half of the handful of climate questions asked by Democratic presidential debate moderators were asked with a right-wing framing and failed to inform the public about the climate crisis and potential solutions. So Fox News' Chris Wallace just won't ask about them at all. And why should he? It's not like climate change has been a topic of note of late, given the fires up and down the West Coast and the endless hurricanes smashing into this country, but yeah, what do I know? Speaking of those wildfires, if it seems to you like wildfire season is getting worse, you're right. A new study concludes that climate change has driven, quote, an alarming increase in the incidence of simultaneous heat waves and droughts in the United States over the past 50 years. And the data indicates that U.S. extremes of heat and dryness are self-intensifying, meaning more heat causes more drought and vice versa, which causes more fires. And finally, some major good news. By 2035, in the next 15 years, we will eliminate in the state of California the sales of internal combustion engines. California's Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom citing costly pollution and climate impacts like the megafires that have raged across the state this year signed an executive order on Wednesday directing state regulators to require new cars sold in the state to be electric or otherwise zero emissions within 15 years. We are setting a new marker. We're advancing the cause to once again lead not only this nation, uh, but in many respects lead the world in terms of establishing a framework where we can accelerate innovation, uh, we can accelerate adaptation uh, and adoption, uh, and we can in turn uh, grow the economic pie here in the state of California. And in doing so, he says, the state will generate jobs in building out a clean, reliable electric grid for the state and installing a statewide electric vehicle charging network. All electric cars in California by 2035? That's the idea. Now that's big news. Thank you, Desi Doyen. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. Not diesel, steam, or gasoline. Yes, it does. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. I hope you will, and I hope you will share it with your friends and family and, yes, your enemies. That free service is made possible by those of you who support our work by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me some email if you like. Always happy to hear from you. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I'm simply the Brad Blog. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. 